gets warm because we talk. You are full of a lot of hot air. I am full. Of, the room's about to be full of hot air. Fucking take off, you know, up into the air with all that hot hotness. Yikes. <laughs> um, what does that board over there say? Episode 121. Is that what we're on? It's literally right here. I know. I, ch- I, d- I changed it, but I couldn't. No, we are. Okay. Okay, so welcome to episode 121. I'm your host, Austin Proctor, and that is my wife across the table. She's also your other host. Her name is Gabrielle Proctor. Proctor. That's true. Yep. Proctor Platt. Always with so much enthusiasm right off the bat, every time. That's what I'm here for. Wow. I guess just for moral support, not for any sort of energy. That makes me fight you. Okay, we're doing Into the Dark Part two, we've picked two of the Into the Dark saga series, whatever you want to call it, from Hulu. It is their um, original thing they do. It's like... They did. It stopped in 2019. That's still going. No, it's not. Yes, it is. There are no additional seasons after 2019. Well, that's incorrect, ma'am, because it has the little dash. If I could type, it has a little dash next to... The uh, like right, yeah, right there. It says 2018 dash. It doesn't have an end date. Also so that, has no new seasons. I mean, I I know, but they just did one uh, this year, March 26, 2021. That many, huh? Yeah. Well, they had to stop in 2020 because of coronavirus. So the last one they did was July 17, 2020, and then they didn't put another one out until February 12th, which was Tentacles, which is on my list. Uh. So, yeah, I guess that got fucked up. So maybe they're still on delay. I don't know. Nonetheless, they do have two seasons. Uh, they Seasons, I guess that's what they're called. They are, they both have 12 episodes in there. And to find these movies, you have to literally search for Into the Dark. If you search for the actual name um, on, uh, like, you know, like Puka or the, you know, like, what it was, what's that one we did? Sweat and Blood? Flesh and Blood? Flesh and Blood. Nothing will pop up. You have to search for Into the Dark and then go into the... Like episode guide, it's fucking maddening. I don't. They need to fix that. I don't like that. Um, but yeah, we picked two, and uh, they were Halloween themed because we were supposed to do them for Halloween until we decided to do the something else, <laughs> the found footage double feature, which was uh, Next of Kin and VHS two. So now we're doing this. They're both um, both Halloween eccentric movies. They're both released in October, so we'll get to that in just a second. But I'm gonna entertain Gabby off the bat. Since we don't have much to kept catch up on since we live together. Um, we live together? What? All right. I'm going to read. Let's let's see. Let's see. Let's start with these because these are crazy. So I recently got four or I think it was five, but one missed call. You've heard of one missed call. I'm like, that's not interesting. We all know what that movie is. So I got four Arrow movies from their sale recently because they were like 50% off. All of these were blind buys. I had not heard of any of these except for, well, except for one but I only know that this movie fucked up Ari Aster. Um, like this, he said this shit like, just like fucked him up. And I was like, okay, I need to see something that fucked up the guy who made Hereditary because that movie fucked me up. So this has been on my list for a while. But the other three were complete blind buys based on the description and based on the rating. So I'm going to read you the first one here. I'm going to save this one for last because I already read this one on the other podcast that I did. Um, oh, yes, I will be featured on what's it called? The Shameless Picture Show. Had a brain fart there. I was thinking of another uh, podcast. My buddy Michael Virus had me on to talk about The Fly uh, and then The Fly remake. So that was a lot of fun. And I read 
this one. So I already know what's going on with this. I'm going to save this one for last because it is a lot. It's a, it's a lot to unpack. Okay. Okay. So the first movie is called Colobos. This is the movie that Ari Aster said in one of the AMAs uh, that uh, fucked him up. So uh, a group of youngsters arrive at a snow-covered house under the guise of participating in a groundbreaking new experimental film, but with every entire property fitted out with ca- oh, well, with the entire property fitted out with cameras to capture their every move, what initially promises to be a fun foray into reality TV stardom soon turns into a fight for survival, and the youngsters find themselves trapped at the mercy of a dead of deadly booby traps and faceless killers. Dun dun dun. Thoughts, feelings, go. Um, I it's a blurb. I'm not sure I'm supposed to feel about a blurb. Um, sounds like a movie. Marketed as little more. Uh, uh wait, hold on. Marketed as little more than another uh, generic slice and dicer at the time of its release. Colobos which actually has much more in common with the likes of Cube and My Little Eye, will come as a revelation for horror fans who missed it the first time around. Sounds like fun. <sighs> what am I supposed to say to that? I don't know. Just like I'm just trying to have a conversation. God. Uh, this also goes on to say the real world meets Saw by way of Suspiria in this super smart, super gory, and sadly super overlooked Late 90s horror gem from filmmakers Daniel Likitagawa something and David Todd Okerverk, released in the midst of the post-scream slasher revival. Are you reading names or having a stroke? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so that is Colobos, a runtime of 82 minutes from 1990-something. It's, 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 it fucked up Ari Aster, so it's got to be good. It Next! Be. Next, we have Dead End Driveway. It's got some awesome art on the front of this. That's beautiful. Set in the near future where the economy has crumbled and violent gangs play havoc in the streets, the powers that have, or uh, the powers that be, what? The powers that be have decided. What? The powers that be have decided. That's stupid. I don't like that. The powers that be have decided to lure the delinquent youth into drive-in cinemas and keep them there. No longer just a place to watch trashy movies and make out. These outdoor picture shows have become concentration camps for the unruly and unwanted. Jesus. What do you think of that? That sounds like... That sounds so bizarre. I'd watch that. Okay. All right. One of Quentin Tarantino's favorite directors, Brian Trenchard Smith was a key figure in the Ozploitation movement responsible for the Man from Hong Kong, Stunt Rock, Turkey Shoot, BMX Bandits, and the dystopian cult classic Dead End Drive-In. All those movie titles sound ridiculous. Haven't heard of any of those. I think I've heard of BMX Bandits. Stand by. Yeah, please let me know. With its day-glow color scheme, new wave soundtrack, and extraordinary stunt work, Dead End Drive-In is, the, is in the tradition of Ozploitation milestones, Mad Max, and the cars that ate Paris, only very, very 80s. What the fuck is Ozploitation? Like Wizard of Oz? I have no idea, but <laughs> like, BMX Bandits is the second movie Nicole Kidman ever started. All right. That's why I've heard of Put it. Put it on the list. This is Dead End Driving. Let me get the uh, year this is from. Obviously, it was the 80s, but I'm curious to see exactly Dead End Drive In. There we go. 1986. That was a great year for horror movies. Has a 6.0. Wow. 6.0 out of 10 on the IMDb. 
dead and drive in. And let me see what it's got on the, that's right, 3.2. So that looks fun. Okay, so you'll watch this one? Uh, yes, Fucking and bet. also not to detract, but this is for you. What's for me? Is that Nicole Kidman? It is. Oh, man, what a the hottie. Ha- the hair. What a babe. That hair is running free. You know, Nicole, you know, it's just so funny. Like, Nicole Kidman, I, I'd never, what was the, was it the, uh, the, the uh, Billy Zane boat one? Wasn't that her? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I never, I never had a thing for Nicole Kidman until I saw her with the red curly hair, and I was like, you know what? Okay. Jesus. That's fair. All right. Next up, we have A Ghost Waits. Bum, bum. Tasked with renovating a neglected rental home, handyman Jack. Uh, quickly finds out why the tenants keep leaving in droves. The house is haunted. Oh, no. It doesn't say that in the description. The ghost in question is Muriel, herself employed from beyond the veil to keep the home vacant. Against the odds, Jack and Muriel find they have a lot in common. Pulse notwithstanding. Having found a kindred spirit in an otherwise lonely existence, they must fight for their newfound affection as pressure mounts for them to fulfill their cross-purposes. Hmm. It sounds like a really weird version of that movie with uh, Mark Ruffalo and um, Renee Zellweger where she's a ghost in his apartment and they fall in love. Or it's like ghosts. Where they that is not what the plot of Ghost is. With the, with the clay. The sex. They were already married before he died in that film. Nah, no, no, no. You're thinking of a different movie. Uh, no, I literally just watched it last month, so I, no. I would know for sure. No, it's with that guy, uh, Roadhouse. Yeah, Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg. Demi Moore, okay. Yeah. From its opening spectral assault to its achingly poignant conclusion, as well as a witty depiction of afterlife bureaucracy in the vein of Beetlejuice and a matter of life and death, A Ghost Waits has shocked and surprised audiences around the world and now makes its home video debut stacked with insightful bonus features. That will take you inside the process of creating this phantasmagoric monochrome marvel. Fuck all these big words, okay? Like, holy shit. We get it. Do we need to get you hooked on phonics? No, no, no. We get it. You have a great big vocabulary. We're all fucking impressed. All right. It's just too much for my simple mind. Jesus. I'm getting that. Wow, thank you. And in... in, in, I can't fucking say in ingeniously. Fucking what is that word? Yeah, well, the whole pack. <laughs> and ingenious. <laughs> Just fucking read the top. I can't. I'm so stupid. An ingeniously unique Gen- and unpredictable combo of horror, humor, and heart. A Ghost Waits is a DIY oh. labor of love, years in the making, from the first time writer, director, Adam Stovall, the producer star, and producer star, McLeod Andrews. I can't read basic things. This came out last year. Has a 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And then it, uh, it's also only 80 minutes. So that's that's a quick runtime. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And then it also has a uh, 5.9 out of 10 on the IMDb. Last but not least, are you ready for this? No. I don't think you are either, to be quite honest. So this is called Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway. Now... A lot can be interpreted from that. Or the cover. Or the, there's a lot going on on this cover. It will explain itself once I, if, if I can read this. You so, want me to read it for you? No, no, no. I got this one. I did this yesterday, just uh, so barely. We practiced. I practiced yesterday on, on the Shameless Picture Show. All right. So 
Let me set the stage for you with this one. The year is 2035, and Special Agent Gagano dreams of leaving the CIA to open a business with his wife, Malin. Before he can hand in his resignation, however, a strange cyber virus attacks Psychobook, the CIA's operating system, forcing Gagano to enter cyberspace via virtual reality to combat the threat. Before long, however, the virus starts to reach out into the real world, disestablishing the fr uh, fragile socio-political order for its own ends, and Gagano, trapped in the VR world, must find a way out before it's too late. I'm getting Kung Fury vibes and also um, brain scan vibes. Congratulations on reading socioeconomic without messing Shut that up. your face. So, yeah, this really vibes like Kung Fury. If you haven't seen Kung Fury, it's like a 30-minute thing on YouTube. It is it's like 42 minutes. Whatever, 30, 40 minutes. It is by far one of the most wild things you'll ever watch on the internet. There's so supposed go, to be a sequel. There's supposed to be. So go check that out. Then you'll know what I mean when I say Kung Fury vibes, because that is pretty much what happens in that. He goes into this other dimension and shit. That um, movie is so batshit insane that I watched it three times in a row on one flight to New York because I was like, I got to see that again. It was so crazy. I have to watch it more. Triceracops is the real hero. Uh, feature. Okay, so featuring encounters with... You no, know, hold on. Let me go up to the top. What do you get when you cross Afrofuturism, Cold War paranoia, the dystopian world of Philip K. Dick, and 60s exploitation cinema, along with a hefty dose of Lynchian surrealism? The answer... Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway. The second feature by Miguel Lanzo, who also directed a movie called Crumbs. And one of the most striking and original films you'll see all year, probably. Oh, that I is bet. That's probably accurate. Um, mm. This also features encounters with an Irish-accented Joseph Stalin, a kung fu-fighting Batman, and Jesus Christ himself. Ooh, that was healthy. To name a few, but Jesus shows you the way to the highway is absurd, audacious, and like nothing you've ever experienced audacious. before. Audacious, audacious. So, you have you're watching that one with me too, right? Um, it sounds like I am. Okay, with a with a brisk runtime of an hour and twenty three minutes. Four hours. Oh my god! Could you? I mean, I'd watch it. It's interesting enough. Five point seven out of ten on the IMDb, and if I could spell Jesus and not Jesus. Jesus shows you the way to the highway. And this also has a 3.3 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. This came out 2019, 2020, I think, something like that. So, yeah, those are movies that exist in this world. Accurate. Accurate as fuck. Anything? Have we seen anything recently, like horror movie-wise, besides the two that we've watched? No. We haven't been to the theaters in a while. Not I think since the, last the week before last. I was gonna say I think the last thing we saw in theater was uh was it Halloween Kills? That was the last thing we saw in theaters. Horror movie wise, or was it Antlers? It was Antlers. Okay, it was Antlers. Man, that's a shame. What the fuck? Where's all the horror movies, man? What's the next one coming out? I mean, Ghostbusters really isn't horror. Close enough. I mean, um, there's you know. some others coming out. It's just gonna be a little bit. Like what? Though? I'm trying to think. I, of... I don't know off the top of my head. Well, you should know. This is your job. Um. Movies. <sighs> You're the worst. We still need to finish. Uh, we need to watch Scream Four. We watched one, two, and three, and then we just kind of stopped. I know. <sighs> you are just a just a 
We were busy building Legos. You didn't want to watch. Oh, that's right. Scream four while we were building Legos. So I got the Stranger Things Lego set. It's really awesome. It involves building two houses and then putting them together for the upside down. It's very very cool. It's like two thousand something pieces. And then you got the fucking Ecto one from I guess the new Ghostbusters movie. You didn't realize that, but nonetheless, it is a badass Lego set. It's huge. It's um, It's an eighteen inch. Like an eighteen-inch-long vehicle. It's got um, like an actual like the wheel actually uh, turns the um, the steering wheel actually turns the wheels, and there's little moving pieces and things that pop out, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. Next, we're gonna do Batmobiles. I'm doing the one from the new, 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 new Batman coming out next year, and you're going to do the one from 1989. Boom, Tim Burton. Yeah, well, I do the one from Batman Returns, but apparently that's not an option. So did they used to have it? No, and then they, they, they just, just don't. It's not straight. It's straight that's up. That's just not rude. An option, yeah. Hey, I want the one, the uh, Tumblr, but it's like three hundred and fifty dollars, and I'm like, hmm. that's too many monies. I mean, I spent two hundred on the fucking Stranger Things one. Yeah, but we gotta like keep it in under that range. Man. And that ATAT that's coming out this year, which is massive, is eight hundred dollars, and I want it. It's like five thousand pieces. But I can't spend eight hundred dollars on no, Legos. No, it's, like, it's too like, much. I like there's a there's like the two hundred dollars. I'm like, okay, it's pretty cool. But then like when I looked up the Millennium Falcon for you and the Death Star, and I was like, oh, they're about they're about a grand a piece. Nope, that's too much. That's uh, that's over the, the threshold on buying um, yeah. single use toys. It's so crazy because I don't ever remember. I mean, I never had a Lego set that big when I was a kid. But even looking at the smaller ones, uh, you know, at the Target that one day when we were there, it was like 50, 100 bucks. And I'm like, shit, were Legos always this expensive? Yeah. That's why I probably got like just the random small ones because I just had a bucket of just mismatched Legos. That's true. I did too. Just built whatever the hell I want. I hadn't followed Lego instructions in probably a decade or two. Look, the last time prior to this that I had played with Legos was when I was uh, babysitting two boys. One of whom works with us now, which doesn't make me feel old. Who? Ryan. Ryan! Yeah. Um, And I was mediating uh, the division of owls and Harry Potter characters out of my bucket (laughs) of Legos because there was a fight breaking out. Boys will be boys. Who really want their fair share of owls. Jesus Christ. All right, well, if we've got nothing else just going on movie-wise that we've seen recently, well, let's just get into these fucking things here. Uh, we're going to start with my movie because we both agreed it was not as good as the one you are going to review, which is fine because this is actually the first one they ever did, too. Um, first, Weird start. Yeah, very weird start. Uh, this one's called The Body. Uh, like I said, this is what kicked off the Into the Dark universe, franchise, whatever you want to call it. Um, series. Series. Yeah, that 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 whole that whole thing. Uh, rated this is rated TVMA with a runtime of an hour and twenty three minutes, and I felt every single one of those minutes during this movie. Yeah, this movie dragged. Ooh, literally, it wasn't like it like, was bad. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like it was bad. It just felt like they took so they took too much time with it. They took too like, much time. Yeah, and then there was a lot of weird uh, choices made by everyone in this. I'm not disagreeing with that. Like overall, I thought the idea was fun, and I didn't hate the characters. It was just like the the execution was slow. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, the, usually I hate one character, but there wasn't a character that I was particularly like. Eh, I don't like you at all. You're annoying. I didn't really 
I don't really have opinions on most of them, but yeah, it was just very, the idea was there, but yes, executed poorly. Just not, not what I wanted. Yeah. Um, this is listed as a drama fantasy horror released on October 15th, 2018, directed by Paul Davis. And here's the weird, what? Oh, I put my foot up here uh, to stretch my leg and I was like, what am I touching? What are you touching? It's your uh, jumpsuit. My jumpsuit? Oh, I, I was like, my jumpsuit's not on the floor. My Mike Myers costume. Uh, here's a weird similarity with this movie and the one that you did because he directed your movie that we're going to talk about. I don't want to say the title, but when we get there, it's the same guy. So somehow we picked two Into the Dark movies that were both directed by the same guy. And this is all that he's done. So No, he did a short. Well, of, I'm saying like movie-wise, this is the only movies that he's done. So that <laughs> was that was interesting. Uh, this is starring, uh, that can't be right. Did I write that down right? Tomei Bateman? That can't be right. Did I fuck that up? It's entirely possible. Uh, I was in a very, very rushed panic doing this. Tom. Tom. Okay, so not Tome. No, it's Tome. I'm going to call you Tome. Tome Bateman as Wilkes. He was also in the uh, Murder on the Orient Express as Book Bauk, B-O-U-C, whatever that is. I'm so, going to go with Bach. Bach. Uh, Rebecca Rittenhouse as Maggie. She was in Unfriended Dark Web as Serena. Aurora Perrinway as Dorothy. She was also in Truth or Dare as Giselle Hammond. And Ray Santiago as Jack. He was in the Ash vs. the Evil Dead uh, TV series as Pablo. He was also the guy who played Hispanic um, Fokker from Meet the Fockers. Yeah, I know. Which I completely forgot about, but that is his number one credit on IMDb. And I was like, that's where I originally know you from. Uh, so that's funny. Nothing for the budget, nothing for the gross, because this is direct to Hulu. They're not going to give you their budget, and they didn't gross anything. So that information is not available. It's irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Uh, movies that came out around the same time, we have The Nun, The Ranger, Hellfest, Apostle, Tales from the Hood 2, Venom, Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, and the remake of Suspiria. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of stuff that went straight to VOD as well, or a few things at least. Um, specific horror moments in this for me, I would have to say, what was the one? I don't know. He fucking sliced a lot of people in the head and cut people. I'd say the throat slit for me was probably my favorite because was not expecting that level of good practical gore. And I was like, whoa, okay, that was dope. You know what? Come to think of it, um, based on uh, based on these two things, this director seems to be into head trauma too. Maybe mm. it's possible. Yeah. No one will ever amount to Ari Aster, though. Ari Aster's head trauma. Yeah, uh, but you know he's trying to compete, Loki. I just love in the uh, also in the AMA that I mentioned earlier. He someone was like. So uh, is, is head trauma just like, is your thing is like, yeah, head trauma, it's going to be like in every one of my movies. And I'm like, oh, I can't take anything more. You've already did enough in Midsommar and Hereditary. You did enough in Hereditary and then you kept going and we're like, hey. it was like, oh, I didn't think it could get worse. Here we are. Oh, goodness. Um, so let's let's get into this very odd movie. Um, yeah. So. Let's see. We start off with literally a dead body. There's there's a camera going through the house. It, it goes down to this dead body that is bleeding. And a uh, man, who I assumed uh, two seconds in, I was like, he, I guess he killed him. And yes, that is what happened. He's sitting down enjoying a glass of wine when he gets a phone call 
from a man. He's like, is it done? And uh, he says, yes, they have a minor conversation. And he goes on about this fucking cheese on the counter, which has maggots in it. It's literally a real thing, like a real cheese, a casa, casa, casa marzo. Marzo. This is in the trivia. I'll just throw this in there now. It is a real Sardinian cheese containing live insect larvae, which supposedly give it special taste. And that's what he goes on about. He says it's all about the maggots. And then he eats the thing. And I'm like, okay, as a cheese lover like you, this is, this is, nope, I'm good. I like, I love cheese. (laughs) I love a lot of cheese, (laughs) but I draw the line at live animals in the cheese. I'm going to, it's a hard pass for me. I'll just take a brie or like a, like a nice gruyere. Gruyere. Like a smoked cheese. That's good. Yeah. So I agree with you. I draw the line at live things in in my cheese. Um, I'm going to pass on that. But he's way into it, apparently. So good for you, bro. Uh, Not for me. Goodness. And uh, (coughs) so he is going, he goes, I guess he goes down into the lobby. It seems like, I don't know if this was a hotel or if it was just a fancy high rise, but he goes into the lobby and he legit just has the guy wrapped up in plastic. Like uh, he looks almost like, like saran wrap. He looks like a mummy dragging him out into the hallway. And people pass them and they look down. They're like, oh, nice costume because it is Halloween night. And I guess people are just fucking stupid and can't recognize a real dead body when you see one. Halloween or not, suspicious. Like, suspicious. Especially because he's just fucking dragging this thing around. He doesn't pick it up and throw it over his shoulder. He doesn't try to carry it like a baby. No, no, he's dragging it headfirst on the ground. And you brought up a great point, which was, okay, he's dragging this on the ground in saran wrap at some point that saran wrap is going to wear through and you're just going to be scraping his snag and yeah. rip and it's just you're just gonna be scraping his head on the floor but that doesn't seem to deter anybody in this fucking it's movie cellophane for god's sake yeah. it's not duct tape so yeah so he's dragging it past these people he and then he just drags it straight outside to his car past god and everybody and uh he gets back to his car and for some nondescript reason we don't know um, all the cars on that street are just shit on. Like, I mean, like there's tires are popped and there's like eat dicks or something on it, like written and in bananas and in bananas the- in the tailpipe and like confetti and streamers and shit. And you're like, okay, that's, that's a weird thing to do on Halloween, but all right, I guess that's normal for, for, for this town, wherever we're at. Um, and then while he's trying to assess the situation with what to do, he runs into three people who are like, oh, that's such a great costume. Oh, my God, that body is so lifelike. And the feet are not wrapped up. And you can clearly see, if you had a fucking brain, you could see that those are real human feet. So I don't know, again, why people aren't like, ooh, it's kind of suspicious. Maybe we should question this. No, everyone's like, this is such a cool costume. What did they think he was? Like, I don't understand. He was in a suit, and he had a dead body. What What is that supposed to be for a costume? A hitman? Yeah. It's stupid. Terrible hitman. You've you got a body with you. Hitman don't take the body with him. Fucking drove me crazy this entire movie. So for some reason, they're like, oh, man, you need to come to this party with us because we got to make a big entrance because our costumes are shit because they had one dude had steampunk glasses. And the guy was like, what are you? He's like, I'm steampunk. He's like, what, you came as glasses? Like, that's what your costume is? And one of the other guys has like this little half uh, face pig mask. And I don't even know what the chick was. Who was she? I think she had cat ears on. Ugh. So they want to bring him into the party to make this grand entrance because their costumes just eat dicks. And uh, they're like, so he he very reluctantly goes with them, even though he doesn't really want to. But he does see uh, 
two cops that are coming out to investigate the cars for some reason. Like they're looking at the why, like why the cars are trashed. Like, yeah, why would they do that? Um, because uh, one of the other guys that whose car was trashed uh, had called them. Oh, he, he's standing there talking to them in the background. Oh shit! Okay, I, I must have missed that. Okay, so they're there for that reason, and instead of trying to avoid them to go to the you know because the main guy's name is Wilkes, so instead of trying to void the cops, Wilkes just drags the body past them. With the people, cops don't even bat an eye at them or acknowledge their existence. And I'm like, what if there's a fucking body being dragged across the street, even on Halloween? Suspicious. Um, so, yeah, they, they go to the party and there's actually a really cool Shining reference with the Grady twins there. And then uh, Hannibal Lecter, like kind of a reference because they were people in costumes. So that was cool. Uh, once they get to the party, Wilkes goes to grab a drink at the bar and makes kind of, I don't know, he doesn't really make goo goo eyes at that girl he just kind of stares at her very like like he has like, laser focus like vision that, like smoky fucking stare and uh she doesn't kind of know what to do because he's a good looking dude you know so she's like kind of bashful like oh, oh my god i don't know what to do and uh, he goes upstairs to like have a drink and smoke a cigarette so she goes up there and does not shut up ever just fucking keeps talking she just like goes off and, and the guy's obviously like what, what, what are you doing um so she's there trying to talk to him and you could tell she's just like, I want to get on that. Like me and you, like, let's do this. And he could not seem any less interested in her, which was hilarious. That was accurate. Yeah. Cause like no guy ever would ever do that. Girls hitting on you. You don't. She's you know. pretty too. I was going to say, yeah, she's pretty. You don't just, you don't just like, no, no, no. You don't just turn down a pretty girl that's hitting on you. Cause that does not happen. So nonetheless, he's, he has, he really wants nothing to do with her. Um, but she eventually does offer to give him a ride because, I guess the people that he showed up with, they were like, you know, I'll, I'll show up, I'll have one drink, and then you're going to take me to where I need to go. Because that was the ultimate end game. They needed, he needed a ride. And they're like, you come to this party with us, we'll give you the ride. So she's like, I'll give you a ride. And they go to get the keys from the guy who's throwing the party. His name is Jack. That is uh, Ray Santiago uh, from Ash vs. the Evil Dead. And you're going to put on the 3D glasses. Oh, that's going to really not be fun for you. I'm just looking at this thing. <laughs> okay. So they go to get the keys from Jack. And Jack is like, okay, cool, cool. You can have the keys, but uh, first we have to do shots. And they go into like this secret little, what would you call that? Like alcove, like nooks and crannies? It's a secret room. It's just a secret room? Yeah, it's, it's a secret room. Okay, it's a secret room. God, feisty. It's a secret room. So they go into this secret room where it's just where the party goes down and drugs are had and alcohol is, <laughs> you fucked up now? <laughs> My eyes hurt. <laughs> And it's at this point that the uh, secret of the body kind of gets out because the dude that's wrapped in plastic starts to kind of move and people are like, you know, Jack says, oh man, what is this, an animatronic too? And he says, yeah, just uh, kick it. It'll make it stop working. So he kicks him in the, uh, he kicks him in the like uh, gut or whatever. And then he's like, I think you could do better than that. So he just like gooshes the guy's head down with his foot. And that's when blood spurts out of the guy's mouth. And people are like, holy shit, no, 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 this is a real body. I'm like, finally, you guys understand. It only took someone smashing the guy's face in. And everyone freaks out. And then uh, Wilkes just gooshes one of the guys. For what reason? Because he didn't just go on a killing spree and get everybody. He was like, fuck this nerd in the back wearing the glasses. Well, he was basically <laughs> giving this long-ass speech. There were a lot of monologues in this, which a lot is of part of why too. it was uh, painful. Um those were really what the painful parts were is the number of times people had to give long drawn out speeches. But, uh, he was 
pretty much saying to something to the effect of um, how life is meaningless and uh, that nobody's special. And if they think that uh, he wouldn't kill any of them, they're like really mistaken. Um, and uh, then he totally like gooshes one of yeah, them to just the... kind of prove his point for no reason. Well, and it's it's such a cliche too when they have the you know the the British guy that does does like a monologue like that. It was such a cliche like hitman. Like thing, you know what I mean? Did it feel very much like uh, the transporter for? Uh, I was I was gonna say yeah, Jason Statham. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it felt thinking, like. I'm like it feels like um, Jason a, like a poor man's <laughs> transporter. He's like the B version of Jason Statham. If if Jason Statham were a hitman, it's like the same character. I mean, that's kind of what he did. And no, he's a transporter. Well, that's I mean, literally in the name. Yeah. He never killed anybody. He didn't yeah. have to. All right. Did you watch the movie? Because I did. No. <laughs> I've never I watched the movie several times. <laughs> never, I think I might have seen the first one like way back when, but no. My brother owned it for reasons. Uh, I would think it was in one of those random movies. Like my parents. Like a part- double feature pack, like Transporter and fucking Mother's Day or some shit. Like. No, this is how my you have you wonder how my parents pick these movies. Um, I know my parents got my brother the Transporter as a movie for Christmas one year and got me. The Count of Monte Cristo. And I was still, I wasn't even in middle school yet. My parents bought me The Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, I watched the shit out of the movie, but like, why are you buying that for your 10 year old? I have no idea. Yeah. It was just one of those random movies that they just gave my brother. And then I was like, oh, cool movie. There's like four of them, too, I think. Yeah. the, the, The first one's the only one that matters. All right. I'll remember that when I buy them all. Um, please, please don't. So going back to Wilkes, which is the B version of Jason Statham and the Transporter. Uh, what the fuck? What happened? What happened? Oh, there we go. Yeah. So he gooshes the nerd for, yeah, for weird motives. Yeah. Just right in the face, like fucking throwing knife to the face, like right in between the eyes. Great shot. He's a great shot with the, uh, with those things. Can you fucking pay attention? <laughs> I'm just making it better in Jesus here. Jesus Christ. You're killing me. Um, so yeah, he goes up on this, uh, oh, and it's weird too, because Maggie at this point is in love with him even more now. Cause she's like, have I ever told you how much I've always wanted to do that? Like y'all just met. I don't think you've brought that up yet. I think she, uh, I'd say more intrigued and infatuated is more accurate. Yeah. So she's infatuated with this man who just literally gooshed somebody that right past her yeah, face right, too, like, like, like zinger right past your face. So bold move falling for that guy and wanting to like be his partner in crime. Very odd. He was also attractive. Uh, yeah. Uh, he could, you know, he again, he does not give a shit. He's like, yeah, no, we're not doing this. So, Whatever, weirdo. So at this point now, it's I think four of them. You've got Jack, you've got Dorothy, you've got Alan, you've got Maggie, and Wilkes has them at knife point. Like, give me your keys, Jack. I'm taking this body because you know he has to get this body to this guy at a certain time. I thought, I mean, yeah. I, I thought he needed to deliver the body to this person. He doesn't do that. So I guess he just had to do something with the body by a certain time. Whatever. So he needs to get the keys to get the fuck out of here to, to deliver this body to get paid. So um, Jack is like, okay, my keys are in the top drawer. And Maggie says, I'll go get them. She goes to retrieve them. This alarm goes off. Uh, it's almost like this weird funhouse booby trap. traps that pop out. And then they end up getting locked in this room. Uh, Maggie and Wilkes by themselves and Dorothy Allen and um, 
uh, the other person, I can't remember right now, they take the body and leave with it. And I'm like, weird move. Get out of there. Call the cops. You have the bad guy trapped. Why are you trying to take this body somewhere? Like, just call the cops right now and have them come and explain the whole situation. So much of this movie could have just been fixed if they just made... The appropriate phone calls. Yeah, like, it's it, this movie wasn't set in the 80s. This was set in a time where people had cell phones because every single person has a cell phone. Call the fucking cops. They don't do that. So they take this body down the elevator into the parking garage. Like, this is the dumbest shit you could do. That's not the... You didn't kill that person, but you've got them out in public now in this parking garage trying to figure out what to do with it. So they go back and forth and back and forth on what to do. They're like, oh, let's call an Uber. No, can't do that. They're like, okay, well, let's call the cops. Like, yeah, you should do that. And then someone remembers that there was a cop outside earlier. So Jack runs to go get the cop. He goes to get the cop. The cop comes kind of uh, like hesitantly because he thinks Jack is is drunk. I mean, he is on a lot of cocaine. So I guess that makes sense. Um, so he finally follows them back to the parking garage, sees the body, freaks out, pulls his gun, and... Uh, <laughs> does the really cliche cop thing about saying that there's a hysterical woman there when she's just trying to get her point across. And I'm like, that was so unnecessary. What a weird thing to do. And then they, uh, Jack just finally rips off the, uh, face, uh, part or the, uh, where the face is. And everyone's like, Oh my God, I know that guy. And I was hoping that it would be like some weird cameo from like a person we all know. They never show the face. It's just some famous guy in this world. So, that's when the cop is finally on board, like, cool, yes, I'll help you now, even though that took quite some time. Um, and this is when Milks, uh, Milks, Wilkes and Maggie come down the garage in the elevator, and the cop is like, whoa, 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 you got to stop, put your hands up. They don't do that. But then, again, with the cop there, Jack, Dorothy, and Alan take the body and just are running off into the night with it. And I'm like, why are you moving? You have a cop right there. Let him get fucking Wilkes in custody. Call it a night. No, they run away, and the cop gets distracted looking at them. By the time he turns back around, Wilkes isn't in front of him, but he shoots anyways. Nick's Maggie in the arm, and then Wilkes comes out fucking behind him, Houdini-style, and just slices his throat. I'm like, that was a cool slow, uh, wow, throat slit, but like, it's a weird whole scenario that just happened there. Yeah, that was weird. So it's it's just is it's just very odd, and then it turns into this wacky like Scooby Doo chase to like you know you got Maggie and Jack, and then you got the other three, and they're just you know Maggie and Jack are trying or Wilkes are trying to track down the people with the body, and um, Maggie does have Jack's phone because I I don't even remember how that happened. I guess it he was left just, it upstairs. Oh, so okay, so he left it upstairs, and she happened to pick it up. So she starts sending uh, dead body pics of the nerd that uh, Wilkes gooshed earlier in the movie. And they flip out. And they're like, oh, they're trying to frame us. They're trying to frame us. Oh, my God. So they go through all the possibilities of what they can do with this body. And Alan gets really dark with it. It was fucking hysterical. That was probably my favorite little like monologue because it was so funny. Because he goes down into like details of how they should break down the body. But then later on, when they actually go to do that, he's fucking pulling up directions on how to kill like get rid of a body on his phone. And I'm like, you just told us all how to do it. Why are you looking it up on your phone? That's, because that's... he was quoting a film. He didn't act or he's quoting a show. He didn't really know how. So he had to actually look for specific details online. And, it's just and so... that's it. That how, that's that so proves how incompetent he is because like, he goes, this is all the stuff you have to do. And they're like, oh, okay, this, okay, that makes sense. And then every time they're like, well, what do we do now? Ooh. So, and then when he really looks it up, he realizes like, oh, um, if we were going to do this, we'd need several hours. We don't have that time. Or if we were going to burn the body, we needed to be this temperature. 
we have no way to do that. Like, it really just uh, kind of proves that just because um, you've seen it on a TV show does not mean you actually know what it goes into uh, something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it was just funny because he listed it out in such detail and then had to look it up on your phone. And I'm like, okay, so you're trying to get rid of this body to prove that you didn't do this, but you're looking up how to kill a like how to dismember a body on your phone. That's called evidence, my friend. That's not good. <laughs> so it's just the fucking motives in this were just so wild. So uh, they, that's what they're doing. They're trying to dismember this body and break it down and just decompose of it or de- dispose of it. So I'll leave their little storyline there because uh, Maggie and Wilk stop at a bar for a reason I don't even know. Like, I, they just stop at a bar. Uh, okay. I think they went to try to find a computer, but a weird spot to try. Yeah, because the bar had seven people in there and it's five. Conveniently, of, one person yeah. with a very visible and exposed and easily accessible laptop. Yeah, it was just behind his chair in his laptop bag, halfway poking out. And they're like, oh, this is the fucking laptop. Do, and do, not do. one person, because they were sitting at the table next to these people, and not one person in that group who were sitting in a circle either noticed the laptop getting taken or noticed um, that someone was using a laptop that looks just like this dude's laptop. Yeah. Everyone in this movie was completely oblivious to everything going on around them because, yeah, and let me explain why they needed a computer. Yeah, for some, again, nondescript fucking reason, Maggie is a hacker and she can literally, she picks up this guy's MacBook, which... It's a MacBook. I don't think you could fucking do shit with that. I'm not a hacker, but I'm saying I feel like it would be hard to hack into shit with a Mac. That's just me. But yeah, she's able to track these, you know, track the group down, hack into like security cameras and shit. And I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. Everyone has iPhones. Just fucking ping their low. You know, you can do that because um, you just like find you can. do. Just, there was just such a simpler way to find these people. As opposed to making Maggie this really random hacker for no fucking reason that they don't ever explain. I thought that was a weird plot device that made no fucking sense and added nothing to the story. She did say earlier in the film that she was doing programming work for um, Jack's character. She was working for him. I'm just saying, but like, she, I'm just saying she's all, you know, she's a hacker. Like, I don't know. It was, it was just weird. It was just weird. It was weird that she was able to just do all this random shit when they could have easily explained it away that with something that made much more sense. She even sarcastically said, what am I like a hacker or something? And she's like JK and then does it anyway. And I know it's just, it's just, I'm just saying it's just weird. There's just no reason for No, her. I'm saying it was weird that they even joked about how ridiculous it was. And then she did it anyway. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, that's what's going on. And then uh, Wilkes gets a call and uh, from the guy who, you know, was like, where's the body man? What's going on? And he realizes that he's been watched the whole night by this guy and he's like dude that's not part of the deal and the guy on the phone's like yeah well neither is lying so he has two hours to track this body down get it to where it needs to be and you have the other gang of people trying to decompose or de- de- god damn it dispose of the of the body and that's where i'll leave it because it yeah uh, 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 makes feelings on this movie i liked so much of it and then i hated the an equal amount of it it is very bizarre. That's why I said midway through the movie, I would have been way more into this movie had it been a straight up comedy about a hitman who lost a body and um, was like chasing it all over town while it was getting moved around like weekend at Bernie style. Like people are like, this dude is out cold. Um, you know, that shit would have been hilarious. But yeah. uh, this was just kind of odd. And it's great. It sucks because, yeah, it did have a solid, like, baseline story. I really had hopes for this because it's it started out good. 
And then it just got weird. And then the ending, and it was also very predictable. I, you know, you predicted a line. I predicted a line. I predicted the, you know, the ending. And I don't know. It was just, it was just very predictable, very kind of cliche and uh, didn't, it like worked for me on so many levels, but then it, it worked on so many, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It didn't work on so many levels. Like, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very weird mix. It was a mixed bag. It was a complete mixed bag. So yeah, definitely not a winner in my opinion. I already told you the trivia on this one, which is the maggot cheese. Uh, this had a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 2.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I gave it a 2.5 because I felt it was right in the middle of the road for me. So. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, that is The Body. Catch that on Hulu. Uh, that was the first of their Into the Dark series. Now, let's move on to your movie because we've got some time to kill here a little bit. Actually, you know what? No, hold on. Let me do, let me get some more detailed opinions on, on your feelings of this. Or did you already give them? And you're I done. already did. Okay. Yeah. We got some. T- we got some time to kill. Um, all right, and I guess let's just move on then. I don't yeah, know. Let what me talk about. about my damn movie. Holy shit! Okay. So okay. I feel so. like I asked you to do one thing with one actor in what? this whole thing. What? And to mention the uh, the show she was in, and you didn't. Oh, do fucking it. too late, man! I was in a rush to do this. I'm sorry, you and I finally do each other. Okay, so <laughs> mine was the beginning of season two, as it were, for Into the Dark, Uncanny Annie. Um, it is rated nothing. It's TVMA, probably based on the violence. Um, it's a runtime of an hour and 20 minutes, um, which I thought actually went by pretty quickly, um, opposite of what happened with Austin's film. Uh, it's a drama fantasy horror released on October 4th, 2019, and directed by Paul Davis. Um, starring Adelaide Kane as Wendy. She was also in The Purge as Zoe Sandin, and she was also in the TV show Rain as the main character, Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, Georgie Flores as Eve. She was also in Dumplin' as Callie. Um, Paige McGee as Grace. This was his, her biggest role so far, but frankly, I would love to see her in more stuff. I really liked her. Yeah, she gave me, she reminded me of the uh, chick from Tragedy Girls because I even asked you, I was like, is that chick from Tragedy Girls? Because Tragedy Girls was great, but uh, no, indeed it was not, sadly. No. Um, and, um, hello. Oh, sorry, sorry. Je- Jacques. Jacques. Colomon uh, as Craig. He was also in The Society as Will LeClaire. And Dylan Arnold as Michael. He was also in Halloween as Cameron Ellum. Um, the new one. The. Well, yeah. Shitty boyfriend. Um, yeah, 2018. Yeah. So, you know, he was in uh, the. the well, and, new, and Kills as well. Yeah, he was in both. That dude with the weird hair. In the. Bony face. It's actually pretty magical hair. I'm, I'm jealous of that hair. He's got killer bones. Very, structure. yeah. Oh, yeah. Killer bones. It's For sure. He's a lot of bones. He's, he's like skin <laughs> and bones. Okay, so. Okay, so. There's no budget. It grossed nothing. Um, maybe it got some subscribers into the Hulu. Subscribe. Uh, movies that came out around the same time It Chapter 2, The Fanatic, Haunt, Villains, Three from Hell, Joker. The Gallows Act 2 and Girl on the Third Floor. That's right. Wow. A lot of those were streaming. Villains was great. You remember that one? Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, Scarsguard. Yeah. 
I like him. And what was it? What was the chick that was in that blondie? She. It uh, wasn't Amber Heard. No, it wasn't Amber. I know. I always get Amber Heard and this actress mixed up, and I can never. Is it the chick from? Uh, ooh, is it the chick from It Follows? Uh, yes, I think it is. Yeah, what's her name? Paige. Paige. Mm, uh, Paige McKenna. McKenna. McKenna Grace. No, McKenna Grace is from Last Night in Soho. God damn it! You're doing a terrible job right oh, now. Oh my god, what the fuck? I'm so bad with with names, especially when... I have to go in a reverse way to look this up because it didn't want to pull up under the name <coughs> Villains, unfortunately. It's too vague a title, but it is McKay Monroe. McKay! I was right with Mackenzie almost. Yeah. McKay so, Monroe. Anyway, um, let's get back to the film. Um, what? Nothing. What? Nothing. Okay, so... It's a pretty simple premise, actually. A bunch of friends get together for a memorial for their friend Tony. They're all in college. It is... Sorry, I bumped the thingy. Bumped the thing. Um, it is Halloween night, and they're all dressed up, and um, they're all... It's a group of... Is it three guys and three girls? Probably. And, uh, well, no. Hold on. Yes, a- that's a- right. A-N-N-I-E. Yes, six. Yeah. Six people. Um. And they get together to honor their friend Tony, who liked two things best, Halloween and playing board games. So um, they start out. There is a couple. Can you scroll up so I have the names, please? Uh-huh. I didn't put all six of them. I only put five. That's okay. Um, we have Wendy and Michael, who are the main couple. Um, and... Michael is kind of brushing off the whole thing with uh, doing the memorial. But Wendy's like, no, we said we'd be there for our friends. And um, there's a whole weird thing between Craig and Eve. Uh, Clearly, they are exes because when she arrives, it's just awkwardness. But they arrive with the newcomer to the group, who is Grace, who has never met Tony. But it's um, but she's there to be supportive and whatnot. Um, So. Eve goes downstairs to pick a bunch of um, game board games up from the attic in what can only be described as the world's shiftiest attic that or, uh, attic uh, basement. I was gonna say, did you? Say, I'm pretty sure you said she went down to the attic, and I'm like, ooh, where did she come from? <laughs> First off, <laughs> fight me. No, no, it's fine. Second I, off, I just thought she it was, was in the basement, shit. and they're like, oh, by the way, there's no lights, and she's like, awesome. <laughs> As there um, typically isn't in basements for whatever fuck reason. So she thinks she sees something down there and immediately like hauls ass up with a bunch of games. Um, and they're kind of searching through and they've got a bunch of random games. Like uh, what's funny is um, Settlers of Catan was in there, which is. I know you were you. You mentioned that. And I was like, WTF is even that game. I don't know. Please explain it to the to the people like me who do not know what that is. So I've only played it a couple times, but Settlers of Catan is this weird board made of chips or where you like it's a board game, but you have pieces that you put down that are like cardboard pieces um, that are hexagon shaped and there are like spots for them on this board. And you're basically trying to like cultivate your land and build um, walls and whatnot. Um to have the most land available. It's extremely weird. You get extremely competitive with other people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it almost looks like... Yeah. No, almost looks. It almost has like the, the layout of like Chinese checkers, but obviously bigger spaces and kind of like Monopoly slash Risk vibes going on. Yeah. Um, so it's a, just a... <laughs> stop doing that. 
So yeah, it's okay. it's actually pretty fun. Um, but I prefer to play with people who already know how to play so they can uh, walk me through it. But also, um, it kind of sucks because then you get sabotaged because you don't always know that you could have done something to win. But anyway, well, that's how it is with any game, you know. Yeah, but it is fun to play. Um, so, but they find this game called Uncanny Annie, and they're like, "Well, this is creepy and weird," and so they read the directions, which are something to the effect of Annie wants to play. Um, you have to pick a uh, card and do what it says on the card, and if you don't do that, um, you have one more chance. You have to take a mischief card, um, and there's a big black box. And um, a board that says uh, Annie on it and then chips that spell out the name Annie. And you have to, each time you successfully do one of the cards, you get to put a chip down. And you only have an hour to um, get all the chips um, before Annie comes out. And you're not supposed to break any rules or Annie will break rules. It's all weird. And everyone's like, these are extremely bizarre directions. But um, all right, I guess. Totally. Yeah, so they are um, immediately just like, this is weird, but I guess whatever. Let's play it. It sounds bizarre, um, but there's six of us, and if we just do our six things, we'll, it'll be done really fast. So um, they start with Michael, who uh, picks up a card, and it says, name a um, deep-seated fear, and they're like, oh, that's, that's pretty simple. Uh, so he just um, says that he's afraid of driving alone at night. And um, then a few of them also share their fears. And uh, so then the, the first couple cards start out like that. And they're like, all right, this is pretty easy. We're going to be done with this game in no time. Oh, and I should also say there's a picture. There's a card that sits in the middle between the two decks that is of Uncanny Annie, but her back is faced away from you. Oh, yeah. Um. So then they finally get over to Wendy. She's a couple turns in and then it says for her to go up into a um, room with a mirror and turn off the lights and say Uncanny Annie three times a la um, Bloody Mary. And so she's like, well, this is creepy, but all right. And she <laughs> she goes and does it. Um, but then when she turns out the uh, turns the lights back on in fog in the uh, mirror, it says, uh, Thank you for playing my or choosing my game, Wendy. Um, and it scares the hell out of her. So she thinks someone's played some sort of wacky prank on her. Um, but she doesn't understand. And everyone's like, well, we were all here. And she's like, well, then you set it up ahead of time. You're like, but how? But how? We didn't even pick the game. But what? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so they and then the game starts to get a little weird. And, um, I'm trying to remember what the next card was because they were, there was, the cards just get substantially wilder as we go along. Well, yeah, because it kind of turns into like, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I remember what the next card is. So earlier, so Michael had gone and then Grace had gone and Grace had had a card that said, select a player you love, um, and you'll like know the sacrifice later and you're like, all right, that's weird. So she picks the, the only single guy who does not have a weird past with any of the other girls whose name is Peter. Um, and so when Peter's turn comes up, he um, he is told to stab death in the heart before death stabs him first. And they're like, fucking what? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? So 
then they start to hear something moving around upstairs. And shout out to Grace for being like the most like bomb ass character. We were talking about this during the film. We're like, God, I really like her. Like she's really level headed. And even if she's like panicking, she's like tries to play. She plays it really smart. Um, so she doesn't go, Oh, let me go look upstairs. She goes and gets a power drill and then yeah. walks upstairs and um, then they suddenly realize that this is not quite what they thought it was going to be because um, there is some large thing upstairs that appears to be this Grim Reaper type thing, but it's also kind of like a shadow. It's not really solid and it comes to attack them and um, Peter has to actually stab it before it stabs him back. Um, and just kind of like shrinks into a portal and goes away. Yeah, it just disappears after that. And they're like, okay, so this is where everybody loses their shit. They're like, what is this? This is supposed to be a game. And they're freaking out about what to do. But then they're starting to realize they don't really have cell phone service. Um, They 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 notice like the other things are weird, like outside is pitch black. Um, And but while they're like trying to argue that just maybe like maybe the power went out or something, they're like, no, it is empty nothingness. Yeah, that Which, was a really cool scene and how they shot it. Yeah. And um, what's interesting is like from our perspective, we get to see when they start the game, the house kind of fl- uh, fades into like this, like it's sucked backwards and everything around it is just black. So you're just like, oh, that's creepy. And then they're like, no, that's where they are now. They're in this blackness. Um which they start to understand somehow they are inside the box um, that the game that came inside the game, this black box with nothingness in it. Um, They are somehow both looking at it and inside of it at the same time. And they're starting to realize that the stakes for this game are real because once um, Peter goes to investigate the darkness, uh, it appears the game thinks he is trying to escape. And Peter gets gooshed. Well, after a little bit. He's wandering around out there for a while, though, right? Well, he's really only out there for a couple minutes because Grace, like, throws a shoe, goes down to get it. He walks out a little further, turns to talk to her, and then, like, gooshed right in the chest and then yanked backwards. Oh, yeah. But there was a really cool scene, though, when he was out there where he... Or maybe it was someone else, but I just remember someone that went too far running towards the house and the house moving away that was later. at the same exact pace. And I was like, Oh, that's such a, like a cool shot. It was, this movie was filmed very well. Yeah. Really enjoyed the filming. Or so, um, they go in, they have a panic. Their friend has died. They and they're like, panic. Holy shit. <laughs> um, they're given a, uh, I think they're like given a minute to mourn, but then, um, Wendy notices that the uncanny Annie card has, uh, with her she has started to turn a little bit so they're realizing that um this is real um and then michael being the straight white dude he is uh alpha bro um is like no we don't have to do shit if we just do nothing everything's gonna be fine and everyone's like that is the dumbest plan ever well and also it should be mentioned that they have an hour to do this so there is a time limit Yes, which they point out, and he's like, well, I'm not going to do anything. And they're like, everyone, and like... That is the opposite. Blessedly, there are three girls who are like, that is dumb as shit. That is not a great plan. That's not going to get anything done. It clearly said you have to play to win. And 
So there is a good chunk of time that is dedicated to the argument of whether or not they should continue to play, whether or not it is real. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so then they move ahead and um, it starts to get really dark because um, one of the characters is given a uh, there. There are some other scary things that happen, but um, I don't want to give every single game no, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a, um, when it comes to be um, Eve's turn, she is given a answer five truths card and she is already looking nervous as fuck about it. And um, so. Answer five truths? Yeah. Oh. There's answer five questions truthfully. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, she starts answering her questions, but she clearly is very nervous. She uh, she is asked if she has a secret and if the secret would hurt someone she loves. And she looks at her ex, Craig, and she says yes. And um, so then it loops back around to uh, Michael, who gets the same card, gets violent, throws the uh, tries to um, put the card at the bottom of the deck, gets it again tries to throw the deck, the deck all sticks, uh, suddenly reappears back in place on the table. And it's like, dude, what's your problem? This douche canoe only had to tell the truth. And he decides to, um, evade and lie anyway. Um, at the cost of risking everybody else and himself. I, <laughs> and you're just like, Jesus, bro, how selfish could you possibly be? I wrote that down in my limited notes because with you, I don't I don't have to take notes ever because you have like a, a ridiculous memory. So that was one of my things I wrote. I was like, OK, OK, OK. So this man would rather die and then risk everyone's life than just fucking tell a secret. Get over yourself. Live like that is such a coward thing to do. Like you can't fess up. You're going to you're you going to deal with the consequences later. Just spit it out, bro. Yeah, it's deal with the consequences or fucking die. I'd rather just deal with the consequences because you probably shouldn't have been a shithead and had a terrible secret. You, you shithead. Also, yes. <laughs> you did that to yourself, motherfucker. Oh, you really did that to yourself. I mean, seriously, if, you're, um, if your secret's going to hurt people you love, you probably shouldn't have that secret to begin with, Brosif. Yeah. And this is where it kind of hurts me because like Clearly, it's a secret between Eve and um, Michael, something that they both know that went down, something between the two of them. And and you're just kind of like speculating as to what this would be. However, Wendy does not seem to be the, the slightest bit suspicious about this whole situation. Michael's girlfriend seems totally unfazed that these two both got a thing to tell them to like to try to get them to admit the truth of something. Did they ever actually reveal it? I can't, I can't. Yes, they did. Okay. Sorry. We watched this like a week ago. (laughs) And then, um, Michael, who is, uh, Eve's ex, um, while they're playing a really upsetting game of hide and seek. Mm, um, Yeah, that's right. That was terrible. With also the same Reaper who seems to be carrying around a mallet with a spike through it. Mm. Um, as you do. Yeah. Eve is like in the, most inopportune time he's she's like i've got something i need to tell you and he's like not right now and honest to god though like wendy you were so smart and craig you were you were a pretty nice guy but jesus were you two that fucking oblivious that you weren't like so what's this uh, uh like me i would have been like so what's the secret you two seriously seem to have because like uh clearly the like, game ha- knows something we don't know what is it tell me <laughs> I realize that's uh, part of the, the the Scorpio in me is uh, we're real big into secrets. 
knowing people's secrets. I was, really fucking I was like, nosy oh, people. I was like, please explain. Well, what secrets do you have, lady? Have you ever had me see someone have a secret and me be like, what is it? You're the nosiest person. What is it? You're the nosiest person I've ever met. I am. And, that and then is, you fucking tell me shit and you're like, don't tell anybody. And I'm like, ah! I don't my brain this. is full of secrets. No, I don't want this fuck. I don't want that on my conscience, bro. Like, I don't like keeping shit. And you're like, don't tell anybody. Ugh, I have to tell somebody. My brain is full of secrets. Good for you. Um. So anyway. Any Hoosiers. So I don't really want to. Uh, I'm gonna. You have 16 more minutes to fill. I'm just kidding. Um, so, pretty much no. from that point, okay. um, we are we get to see what exactly the big fucking secret was. Um, what re- what happened to their good friend Tony? They're abysmally trying to commemorate, um, and just how serious the consequences of this oh, game that's can right. be. I remember the secret now. Yikes! So uh, they're. You know, and just how dangerous this game can be and how um, in- Uncanny Annie uh, isn't really playing as much by the rules as she claims to be. I will say uh, Uncanny Annie, I-, I liked the rest of this, but I-, I felt like Uncanny Annie started as creepy and then she came off as some someone who thinks they're creepy, but really they're just kind of weird. You know, like the weird kid in school, they're like, oh, I'm creepy and strange. You're like... No, you're just kind of well, weird. You're creepy in the not not the way you want to be creepy. You're more creepy in the please stay away from me kind of creepy. I mean, I thought she was creepy. I think they just overused her at the end, and also yeah. the head cracking every two seconds. I was like, okay, like we get it. You're you're, you're like a you're a crinkly old old lady, like whatever. Plus, the schoolgirl creepy look is just overplayed to me. Yeah, so that didn't that actually I actually gave it like a half star less because of that because I was like, eh, okay, kind of dragging out the end there, but. uh I was going to say about Anne. Do you have anything else you're going to say real quick? I don't no, want to interrupt um, you. No, no, no. Uh, I, I will say I really liked that, uh, especially Wendy and Grace. Uh, Grace was my number one favorite character, obviously. She's but. my number one favorite character, like, recently of a lot of stuff I've seen. I loved her, mo- like, like her, she, her drive and her motivation. That and, like, girl had that drill in hand the whole film. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, a scary noise, let me hide. She's like, nah, I'm going to fuck that shit up. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, Yes. Yeah, yes, and it wasn't even like she was like aggressive. I'm gonna fuck shit up. She's just like, I'm, I'm gonna ready. check it out, but I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm ready. Or like, <laughs> hey guys, I know you don't want to do this, but you're gonna need to shut that shit down right now <laughs> and focus because I would like to live. So if you could just like Help keep your out. shit together so we could get through this, that would be super. And she was like very level headed. She was the uh she was like the opposite of, of most horror movie characters where they spaz out and do something ridiculous. She's like, no, we need to do this calmly, think logically about it, come up with a proper solution. And we're like, we were both like, damn, this is so refreshing. I love this. And I really liked that, uh, though, Wendy totally did accidentally whale her in the head with a beer bottle at one point. Um, that was hilarious. Wendy was also pretty like... Uh, you know, she was pretty loyal friend. She was also very dedicated to being like, all right, we just got to power through this. And um, I really liked them as sh- strong female characters because sometimes it's like 
there's one strong female character and then there's one that's just kind of muddling through the film. It was nice to have multiple strong females. Well, that's why I like this too because it, it, there wasn't one final girl. There was three at one point and you're like, because I even remember when all the guys, spoiler alert, when all the men die because we're stupid as fuck. It like, I mean, we're not going to explain what happened to him, but yeah. No, I know, but it kind of like zooms in on the three girls and I was like, yes, three final girls. I was like, okay, I can get down with that. And yes, um, uh, Grace, right? The smart one? Uh, yes. Yeah, she was like the fucking... She was like Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. I was like, yes, Nancy is smart. She is driven. She knows what she... Like, she gets got a plan. I was like, it was very reminiscent of Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. And or, I like that. Because you don't, you don't see that a lot. You're right. You don't see that a lot. Yeah, or... Um... Sydney Prescott after the first film where she starts to be like, all right, I got to like think this. I mean, to be fair, that was kind of sprung on. Everything was kind of sprung on her in the first film. And she did get clever by the end. But uh, every other film after she's like, all right, let's deal with this shit. Yeah. So um, definitely a very good one. Like a great final girl. Loved uh, loved her ambition, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) She's great. And (laughs) I really liked how... um, Like I said, I felt like this one paced way better. I didn't feel like there were a lot of lulls in this. Like, I thought it was going to be a little slow at first, but I realized it was just because they were trying to, like, ease you into thinking, okay, this isn't going to be that crazy. So that way, when it amps it's what they did to the characters. Like, oh, the first couple cards were simple. So that way, when they started to get into the more aggressive cards... They weren't expecting that to get so crazy. Yeah, to get very revealing. (laughs) And get very aggressive and uh, tooth and nail and violent. And um, but yeah, overall, I thought this was a really good one. I thought it was uh, really well done. Yeah, and it's also yeah, it was well done, uh, especially with how it was shot because I just there was so many cool shots of the house in the darkness and spinning and that whole like I said the whole shot with the guy running at the house and it just starting to move away at the same pace. It was just shot so well and very like just very good camera angles. And yes, there was a couple wonky things like the CG Reaper. He, I, well, okay, I feel like he was practical, but they CG'd like effects around him because yes, yeah. And then un- you know, Uncanny Annie herself were kind of eh, but overall, you know, pretty stellar acting as well. And I like the score. But uh, yeah, it, it's one that kind of surprised me because it only has it has a low rating on uh, Letterbox, but um. I definitely immediately when when they started breaking out the game, I was like, okay, I'm getting a Jumanji escape room vibe from this, and it's really funny because they actually mentioned Jumanji in the movie, and I thought that was pretty cool. So yes, it's like a horror game, like it's like a horror, it's like Juma, it's like Jumanji but horror, an escape room because you have to actually. I mean, I guess you did have to escape in Jumanji. It's like Jumanji but horror. If Jumanji yeah. was horror, that's what it would be. And um, I also like the fact that Adeline Kane is in it. Like I said, I. I I really like her in Rain, so it was really nice to see her in something else that wasn't a period uh, show. Um, but uh, I, I think she should be in more stuff anyway, and it still baffles me that she's our age because uh, she looks so damn young. Well, it's just like, what's her face from Itania? Um, I don't know why I picked that one, but Margot Margo Robbie. Yeah, yes, yeah. it still yeah, hurts she... me every day, Margot Robbie's. She's like 32, and I'm like, how do you look like that? You look like you're from another fucking planet, dude. She's our age. That's what I'm I'm saying. She's our age, and she looks like that. I'm like, God damn it. What did I do with my life? Margot Robbie's like three months younger than you. Yeah, and here I am doing a podcast that nobody listens to, and she's fucking doing all these insane movies, making millions of dollars. It's crazy. She didn't even really become that popular until Wolf Wolf of Wall Street, right? And that was 2012, maybe? Maybe 
She well, fucking... I saw that movie with my ex, and that was a long 400 hours. 2013. Okay, 2013. So, yeah, she really blew up after that. But um, I don't even know how we got there. But, yeah, Uncanny We're Andy. just talking about actors that, happen, that, oh, are, that like are like our age, age yeah. and it hurts. It's upsetting. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Um, all right, you don't, you don't have much more here. Actually, you have one other thing. Because there was no trivia. Uh, okay, rating got a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb and a 2.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I wouldn't say 2.5. I'd say more like a 3.5. I gave it a, yeah, I was, I, I had it at 3.5, but the, the end, you know, the ending, I was like, uh, I wish they didn't use Uncanny Annie so much and have her crack her neck 1,700 times. I just wish they didn't make her look like a schoolgirl and do that. <laughs> yeah, the giggle thing's not as creepy as people think it is. Well, it's just it, kind of annoying. It is, but again, they overused it like yeah, that's 17, why I said 18 times. I'm she, like, I'm like, we get it. She vibed less like a creepy little kid and more like the kid who's just creepy. Yeah. In the weird way where you're like, ooh, no, don't come near me because you're kind of gross. It's like that girl at school that always hissed at people. Every school yeah, had one. Every the girl fucking who hissed at people. Yeah. That's what she was like. Every, I had one. I for sure ski, dude. Oh, my God. It was that kid. Yeah, I understand. Or the girl would unnecessarily stroke your hair and you're like, we're not friends like that, bro. Stop touching me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had one of those, too. Weird. That girl kissed my shoulder. Moving on. <laughs> Until we meet again. Um, God, I hope not. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, th- uh, that's definitely going to be the pick of the week. It was uh, superior than uh, the body. Nothing against the body. It was just very odd, and I hated all the plot devices. And also, and- again, these were much stronger. Well, at least the females were much stronger characters. Well, and and the uh, kind of the twist slash secret is uh, me remembering now. I'm like, oh, that's right. That was crazy. Uh, that was pretty crazy as well. So <laughs> yeah. Um, you can catch us on Facebook at Frightmares and Instagram at Frightmares Podcast, Slasher app at Frightmares Podcast, Twitter at Frightmares underscore pod. Um, stay spooky at Outlook.com is our email. And I'm Dr. Proctor on Letterboxd. You are Watson LMP 90. Watson Limp 90. Uh, next week, me and Corey will be doing some Thanksgiving horror because it is that time. I would just do Blood Rage every year, but I think people might frown on that. I'd love to just review Blood Rage and Thanksgiving every goddamn Halloween, but I can't do that. Every Halloween, huh? Or every <laughs> every Thanksgiving, but I can't do that, um, even though those will be watched plenty of times next week because... You can't if you haven't seen Blood Rage, go listen to our one of our Halloween or uh, Thanksgiving episodes. It's on there. It's great. It's amazing. You're gonna watch that with me this year, right? Blood Rage. Yes. I we talked about this earlier, but it wasn't on the show. You're gonna watch it with me later, right? Yeah. Okay, I'll fix that in post. I won't. Um, and then I'll watch Thanksgiving by myself because I know you don't. You're not a fan. That's of that fine. One. I'll be watching Son-in-Law by myself. Have fun with that. Um. So yeah, tune in next week, guys, and and still and still. And still. And still. Until then, stay. Oh, wait, stay tuned. And stay. Spooky. Are you good? Stay tuned and stay spooky. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>